Today, it feels like everyone is getting involved in the space industry. I mean, an entire multi-orbit satellite ecosystem is opening up right above our heads. There are satellites orbiting at 36,000 kilometers above Earth in geostationary orbit, then even more satellites between 5,000 to 20,000 kilometers from Earth's surface in medium Earth orbit, and then again, satellites orbiting around the globe between 500 to 1,200 kilometers in low Earth orbit. It's mind-boggling, right? The coexistence of all these systems in space relies on effective regulatory mechanisms that promote harmonious operations. But what are these mechanisms and how do they work? So many questions. Today though, we'll talk to Carl Jonsson. He works in the spectrum management and development team at SES. And we're gonna get some answers to these questions. Welcome back to Satellite Stories. I'm your host, Christina Smith-Meyer. Hello, Carl. Thank you so much for joining us today on Satellite Stories. Thank you, Christina. It's great to be here today. So, Carl, let me start with a question you probably get all the time. There are several thousands of satellites traveling around the Earth today in various different orbits. So how exactly can they all coexist with each other? It's a, it's a great first question, Christina. I think uh, here on Earth, we have, we have borders between, between the countries, but in space, there are no borders in space. So we need, we need to share it somehow between all the countries in the world. And for doing that uh, efficiently, then this, there's definitely a need for an a international regulatory framework. So the coexistence, that coexistence, it all relies on effective regulatory mechanisms, which is called the radio regulations. And that is governed by a uh, institution called International Telecommunication Union, acronym ITU. And that is a agreed framework that all member states in the world have agreed upon, all member states of the United Nations and the ITU as well. And these sets of radio regulations, they are, of course, containing rules that all satellite systems up there in space, they need to follow. And there's also a big international database, uh, which contains all the necessary details of an existing or planned project. And that is called the Master International Frequency Register, or the MIFR, or MIFR. Thanks so much for that clarification, Carl. So what if I have a new satellite project? How does it start in terms of regulatory steps? As a first step, you need to do some homework to study the specifics of other satellite projects. But the basic questions that you need, would need to ask yourself is, where can I go in space? What is occupied? What is free? And once you have done all of that homework, then you will file your details to the ITU. And that data, it uh, would involve the orbit specifics that you're planning, where do I intend to provide service, and also, what frequencies do I intend to transmit that? What frequencies do I intend to receive that? And the basic idea is to know, is to let others know what you're planning. And when ITU has been publishing all of that data, then the existing, the existing kids on the block, then they would uh, 
tell you if uh, if there's any problem with your satellite projects, you might disturb me. Uh, we need to talk. We need to negotiate. So basically, you will be treated as the new kid on the block with some new exciting plans or, or with your satellite project. And after that, then you would have a very long road ahead of you. Uh, it could last up to seven years, eight in sometimes, where you need to do business and negotiations with, ex with ex existing kids. The goal is to achieve a common objective. Oh my goodness, seven, eight years. That certainly sounds like a tough exercise. Um, what are the underlying principles of those discussions? Right, it's much easier to explain this through an analogy. First of all, imagine yourself maybe moving into a new city or a town. With the MIFR, the big database that I was mentioning, will tell you, for example, if someone already lived in the house that you may want, uh, what music are they playing, and how powerful is their stereo. And once you have found your empty house, then that empty house will have plenty of neighbors. And when you're planning your housewarming party, for example, then you cannot really play the music that, that you want or play as loud as you want because you will have neighbors probably complaining about that you're playing too loud. So before you're having your party, then you need to negotiate with your neighbors. What is the maximum volume that I can play my music so that I don't disturb them? What level are they playing their music? Will they disturb you? And in some cases, the radio regulations is kind to tell you in advance how loud you can play your music to not disturb a certain type of neighbors. And this is the case for many of the low Earth orbit or LEO or and medium Earth orbit or MEO satellite constellations up there in space. I love that analogy. So that means you would know beforehand how to protect a big group of your neighbors. I mean, that's helpful. Yes, exactly. And uh, that group that I mentioned, uh, or the group of neighbors, that is the geostationary satellite that is operating and flying further out in space. So that what the radio regulations will tell you, uh, that you have a predefined set of limits. And those limits, they will tell you where you can point your speakers and where you should not point your speakers, how loud you can play your music. So in that case, then there's no need for that negotiation that I, that I was uh, uh, talking about because they have already commonly accepted a certain level that Leo and Mio speakers can play their music. But these limits, they're commonly known as the EPFD limits or equivalent power flux density. They have been around for quite a while. Uh, they were actually approved for 23 years ago at the World Radio Conference in the year 2000. Very interesting. So can you tell us more about these EPFD limits? How and when were they actually determined? Well, uh, as, I, uh, as I mentioned, it was uh, in the year 2000. And it was an enormous task, very complex and it took very long time to develop and settle on these limits. It actually took almost a decade for the UN member states and the satellite industry to finalize on, upon these limits. Today, these EPFD limits, they serve as a very important cornerstone in the satellite industry. Um, they facilitate deployment of exciting new satellite projects. Uh, they simplify the process for access to spectrum and space. 
because there's already a huge group of neighbors that has already agreed that these limits Leo and Mio can operate within. So that in that case, the negotiation is already done. By knowing these limits, they also enable competitive entry by multiple new satellite constellations. And it sets the stage how loud Leo and Mio can play, can play the music. So in a sense, they provide harmony in space. Providing harmony in space, that sounds fabulous. But then let me ask you this, what would happen if there were no EPFD limits? Right, so that's also a great question. Um, Neo and Leo satellites, they move through space in time. They will fly and pass in front of a GSO antenna, like the TV satellite antenna that you have on your house, on a regular, on a regular basis. So if there were no EPFT limits, well, I think it's best to go back to the analogy again. Um, so ima- imagine you have a neighbor that drives by your house on, a regu- on regular occasions. Uh, if there were no limits, then this neighbor could potentially be playing too loud music at, uh, at an unacceptable level. And if this neighbor does that repeatedly, several locations a day, that would be quite annoying, wouldn't it? The EPFD limits, what they say, they regulate that every time the neighbor passes into in front of my house, they play at a sufficiently low volume at an acceptable level that would not disturb me and the music that I play. Yeah, that sounds much better. Uh, Now I'm curious, with more and more LEO and MEO systems being planned and launched into space, isn't there a risk of increased interference? Well, both yes and and no. Uh, What you need to know here is that the EPFD limits, they come in two parts. Uh, The first part is Article 22. It defines a per-system limit. It defines what one neighbor can play their music uh, volume at. And the second part is Resolution 76, and that defines an, an overall combined limit that all LEO and MEO systems, or all neighbors in their cars, need to respect together. So with more and more satellites, that means more and more neighbors passing your house. Perhaps a few of them on the same time as well. Then the music volume is sort of multiply by each neighbor having a combined volume that would start to annoy you. And at some point, your neighbor might becoming very popular as well. So with more and more neighbors, at some point, you might start to hear the noise from other streets in the neighborhood as well. So thanks to Resolution 76, that defines a combined noise level from all the neighbors combined so that I can still play and hear my music in my house. But that must require all neighbors then to talk to each other, which they may not want to do, right? To know if the combined noise level is respected or not. Very good question. And to be frank, that is an open point, not not yet defined, actually. We know what to respect, but how to respect does not, ex- does not exist. How do we force all neighbors to talk to each other and make sure that Resolution 76 is fulfilled? Well, luckily, today, the neighbor that I mentioned is 
not getting too crowded yet. But we are approaching the point where there's an evident risk. What we will discuss at the WRC 23 in Dubai, there is one topic there where we'll introduce regulatory mechanism that would force actions to study and potentially enforce some steps to be taken in case the overall combined noise level becomes too high in, in your neighborhood. Bottom line though, with increased number of satellites in space, the EPFD limits would play a very important role in maintaining the same level of background noise in, in your neighborhood so that you can still play your music in your house. That makes sense. I've actually heard that there is a proposal to WRC 23 to review and update these EPFD limits. What would this mean exactly? Uh, yes, correct. There is such a proposal uh, to study these limits uh, for the next conference in 2027. Um, so how we look at that would be that this could impact many hundreds or millions of TV ho- households worldwide who rely on TV by a satellite. And also, of course, it might impact other critical use that GSO satellites provide today. So, SES, we believe that it is uh, very important to maintain the current noise levels, and they are good as they are, and they have worked well since they were developed. It serves its uh, purpose. But wait a minute, the EPFD limits were developed and approved 23 years ago, aren't they outdated with all the new technology that Leo, Mio, and Geosystems are coming with? No, they're not. This is uh, not a question of satellite technology, actually. What you need to know that these EPFD limits uh, that defines the noise, they are driven by the type of orbit, not the technology. So it would not be how a Leo and Mio would operate. And if you look at the type of orbits, they were the same as considered two, two decades ago. What today's modern satellite technology would enable, though, it uh, enables improved operational efficiency, resulting in a potential for greater capacity. And what I'm thinking here is that, of course, there's three main aspects that I can think of. And it's improved satellite antenna technology, greater pointing flexibility of the antennas, and also a advanced ground networking. Uh, all of that could enable a more operational efficiency with respect to the EPFD limit. So it creates some additional margin so that you can squeeze in some more capacity. SS with its new Empower constellation, is a good example that actually ticks off all of these three aspects. On the GSO satellites of things, many GSO satellites being designed and also being in operation uh, today, they still use the conventional technology that, that we have. For some of the new GSOs, the architecture is different, but they still play their music in the same volume range as two decades ago. So is there a need to review the EPFD limits at WRC 2027? Not in our view. The satellite industry is roaring fast into an exciting future. And again, the EPFD limits, they are playing a very important role in this development. In this exciting time of development, it would be more important to uphold these limits as they are, as they enable the needed coexistence between LEO, MEO, and GEO. Because they ensure 
a stable playing field for competition. They support continued innovation, and it propels this in the industry into the exciting future of growth that we that we foresee. So reviewing the EPFD limits, that would result in a time of uncertainty for the satellite in the industry when designing a new LEO, MEO constellations and new GSO satellite as well. What limits should we take into account during this period? And uh, wouldn't it be better to continue to accelerate towards the future that we may land in in a couple of years already? Absolutely. And in that case, is there an alternative that promotes uh, harmonious operations between satellite systems? Absolutely. There are other ways to improve the life of LEO and MEO constellations. I have already mentioned the improved satellite technology uh, that these constellations have. But looking on the ITU side of things, instead of risking increased noise levels into GSO satellite use, then one should continue to focus on the interference modeling instead from these LEO and MEO systems. Because that would also enable further increased operational flexibility. With this improved interference modeling, you provide a greater margin with respect to the EPFT limits. And that would, of course, provide great growth for those uh, those kind of systems if you can improve the margin instead of changing the roof of it. So improving those uh, couple of points, that would be much more efficient. And at the same time, we're upholding the EPFT limits to protect the GSO satellite use. Carl, thank you so much for your insights and time today. We've learned a lot and really enjoyed having you here on Satellite Stories. Thank you, Christina. It was great Great being here. Our thanks to Carl for his great insights today. As NGSO and GSO systems navigate an evolving space environment, the EPFD limits serve as a cornerstone for coexistence among services. And upholding these limits ensures a stable level playing field, supports continued innovation, and propels the satellite industry into an exciting future of growth and boundless possibilities. As mentioned on the previous episodes, if you want to learn more about this topic, please visit our events page with related WRC23 content on SES.com. The URL, as always, can be found in our episode description. And this brings us to the end of our WRC mini-series. A big, big thank you to our SES team and all delegates attending the event in Dubai. And a big thank you to you, our listeners. We hope you enjoyed the last few episodes as we explored this fascinating topic. Up next, prepare yourselves to embark on a trip to one of the most unique places on Earth, the Galapagos Islands. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss this. <laughs>